Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember to subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Five for Breakfast. We're now in our 51st episode of 2022. Uh, before we kick off, I'd like to thank Nokia, the gold sponsor of Fiber for Breakfast. You know, this morning, the Fiber Broadband Association issued a press release announcing the results of our annual fiber service provider study that highlights that we are now have um, 68 million fiber to the homes passed in the U.S., at 68 million, which is up 13% over the previous year. So during next week's Fire for Breakfast, we're gonna have our researcher, Mike um, Render, come in, and he's gonna walk us through our um, service provider study in detail. So if you're interested in hearing all about the fiber deployment numbers, join us next Wednesday. You know, just over a week ago, as it's, you know, this huge Arctic cold front comes across the nation, you know, I was at the Broadband Leaders uh, Summit in warm and pleasant Coconut Grove, um, in Miami, where I did my best to explain the quantum internet. I'm so excited to actually have a real quantum physicist as our guest today, who's gonna do a much, much, much better job at discussing the quantum networks and their upcoming leap into the quantum age. But before we leap into quantum, I'd like to remind everybody that our first regional Fiber Connect workshop is just around the corner. It's gonna be held in Raleigh, North Carolina on Tuesday, February 7th. Registration's open, and we hope that you'll join us. That brings us to today's Fiber for Breakfast session with Dr. Duncan Earl, the president, co-founder, and CTO of Cubatech, who's going to be discuss, discussing is Quantum, the next killer app for fiber broadband. You know, last week on Fiber for Breakfast, we heard from our good friend, Matt Collins of Calix, who shared with us strategies for winners. It's all about experience. And Matt explained how operators cannot rely on fiber speed alone, but they must continue to innovate to continuously improve the subscriber experience. Today on Fiber for Breakfast, our guest is Dr. Duncan Earl, the president, co-founder, and CTO of Cubatech, who's going to be discussing is Quantum, the next killer app for fiber broadband. And Dr. Earl is a physicist and founder of quantum networking company Cubatech. He's spent nearly 20 years conducting energy and defense-related research and development at Oak Ridge National Laboratories in the field of quantum sources, quantum computing, and quantum cryptography. Uh, today, Duncan's uh, focus lies squarely in applying his findings toward building quantum networks um, and critical uh, uh, precursors to the upcoming quantum-enabled internet. Um, so, so welcome, Duncan. And for our audience, you know, please um, type in your questions as we go, and we'll discuss those at the Q&A at the end. With that, let's get things started and turn it over to Duncan. Thanks, Gary. Really appreciate the uh, opportunity to speak today about uh, quantum. Uh, again, Mike, the company that I'm with is a company called Cubatech, which is really one of many companies, you know, across the world and definitely here in the United States, uh, working to make quantum networking and other quantum solutions a reality. So again, appreciate uh, the the opportunity to speak. If we could go to the next slide, we're gonna we're gonna hit three really important questions or we're going to ask and hopefully answer three really important questions about quantum. These are these are high level, but they're 
meant to really uh, provide some context around what quantum is going to be and how fiber broadband is going to play into that. So the three questions we want to answer today is what does a, a quantum future look like? Uh, you know, we're, we're probably going to get it a little wrong, so uh, a lot of this is prophesizing, but we'll try and at least paint that picture of, you know, what the next 20 years uh, looks like with the inclusion of quantum. The second is how is a quantum fiber optic uh, network different from a traditional fiber optic um, network? There's been a lot of talk around the technology of quantum, which is really interesting, um, the physics behind it, but what does that really mean for a, a fiber optic network? We'll touch on that. And then finally, um, we'll, we'll address why the quantum industry needs the help of broadband network providers today. That's not, you know, we don't need the help 10 years in the future. We really need the help today. And part of my uh, motivation for speaking uh, today was to try and help enlist some support. So I'll uh, go into more detail there um, uh, towards the end of the, the presentation. If we could go ahead and go to the next slide. Where I'd actually like to start off this talk with looking back at some old commercials from 1993. This is when AT&T was trying to kind of share their vision of the future with everyone through um, these you will commercials, they call, they call them. And I apologize, uh, the, the video is very low resolution. Uh, it's about a little over two minutes long, but uh, if we could watch those videos and then we'll come back and talk a little bit about them, uh, it, it's a great place to, to start. Thanks, appreciate you playing that. So the resolution isn't great there, <laughs> but, but um, I actually remember those, those commercials and it was great for sort of providing uh, a, a picture of what that future uh, is going to, to look like. However, if we could go ahead and go to the next slide, I think what's most interesting about those commercials is actually what they don't mention, which is they don't say the internet, right? A lot of those technologies came true. I sent a fax from the beach just last week. Uh, but, but no, you know, that you've got email, you've got all these different sort of internet uh, capabilities, but they don't mention internet because this concept of this massively interconnected country and then eventually the, the you know the world uh, that infrastructure was still being laid it was still uh, just starting but the internet was really what enabled all of those uh, technologies but we didn't have a word for it yet or at least the common the public didn't have uh, that concept uh, in their mind you know just a year after those uh, videos uh, there's a, a fun, famous uh, you know, clip from the today show where Brian Gumbel saying what is internet anyway? You know, it seems like uh, they're just starting to scratch the surface, at least at the public level of asking what that was. The reason I like to play that uh, clip uh, is because we're at essentially the same place uh, in quantum. Quantum is now starting to have real applications. It's starting to require infrastructure that's needed to, to support it. And people are, are asking, what, what is quantum anyway? They're just now starting to uh, be there, and we're going to see this explosion of all these capabilities over the next decade, two decades, that will uh, uh, allow our our society to change quite a bit, just like the the internet changed our society um, uh, as well. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, really what quantum is going to to do. Just one in terms of time frame. This is just another quick uh, picture uh, showing sort of how fast technology progresses. This is 2005, the, the Pope is speaking, you see one cell phone. This is 2013, you know, less than 10 years later, everybody's got these personal devices that they're uh, capturing his speech on. This right here is about 20 years after 
that AT&T commercial. So a lot can happen in two decades. And of course, I'm talking to a group that knows that better than most. Um, this advance in technology happens rather uh, rapidly. Okay, so what is this quantum technology? What is quantum after all? And you could spend an hour giving a, uh, you could spend a few days <laughs> giving a lecture on what quantum is, but I've tried to kind of really simplify it down to just the, the core essentials that uh, you need to know to, to understand some of these two new technologies. The first is this is leveraging technology of the very small. So we're all familiar with the physics that we live in, the macro world, but when you get down to the particle level, down to like a particle of light, a photon, or down to, to the tiniest atoms, you get these very strange physical effects that are bizarre to us, but it allows the, the world of the very small to, to function and operate. And we've uh, been understanding this world for about 100 years, studying it, understanding it, uh, developing quantum theory around it. And now we're starting to leverage those uh, unique properties or unique physics. And two of those uh, properties specifically are being leveraged today. The, the first is this idea that a single particle can actually be in two places at the, the same time. It actually could be in a hundred places at the same time. This is the concept of superposition. We can observe this, um, we can exploit it, and that's kind of how uh, quantum computers are one of the components uh, uh, that allows us to uh, produce quantum computers. And the way I like to think of superposition and how it speeds up uh, processing is today when you do a, a computational process in a classical computer, you're running data through a, a, a chain. Essentially, you multiply this, you add this, you do this next, you do this next. It's very sequential. Um, with quantum systems, you can do the same thing down multiple parallel paths, and you can do it all at the same time. And so you get this massive speed up uh, in, in terms of uh, exploitation of this uh, property. This, the second uh, property is sort of the inverse of superposition. And the idea here is that you can have two particles that could be in very different places, but they act as a single particle. They act together, uh, so they have correlated behavior. And that's called entanglement. And you can kind of think of that as almost the reverse of superposition. I've used, entanglement allows us to have two particles that are very far apart, but they act almost like they were the same particle or they were right next to each other. That's, uh, that uh, counter um, property is really critical for a lot of communication uh, breakthroughs and sensing breakthroughs that we'll see with quantum. And so if you don't take anything else away from uh, this on the physics side, these two uh, physical properties, superposition and entanglement, which is really only possible at the, the level of the very small, is what's driving a lot of these uh, technologies. Okay, so, so the result is that these new technologies, they're not just an iterative improvement over what we have, they're really a paradigm shift. They're, they're revolutionary in terms of what they can do. So when we say there's powerful new quantum computers that are coming, we don't mean that they're, you know, they're gonna be like 10 times as powerful as what we have today. We're talking about billions and billions of times uh, uh, more powerful on certain types of, of problems. Problems that we can't solve today, even if we had, uh, you know, the whole world was covered in supercomputers, we still couldn't solve these, these problems, they'll be solvable with quantum systems. So it's a, a radical change uh, in terms of our, our capabilities. Same with sensors, we're able to break physical limits that we never would be able to break classically and get ultra high resolution or ultra high sensitivity uh, out of these sensors. And then communication devices as well are able to achieve 
security and, and other benefits that we couldn't achieve with classical systems. So in terms of where we're at with this, the 1993 AT&T videos are a good starting place, but you can also kind of show a, a larger context. Between 1980 and 2000, the uh, computing, uh, network, internet, all the operating systems, a, a lot of these core components of the internet and, and uh, personal computers really came into being. So if you call this the classical information technology of those last two decades, we saw big companies like IBM, Microsoft, and Cisco becoming very dominant in these uh, three spaces. That same process is happening again today. Uh, you just put quantum in front of everything. Quantum computers, quantum operating systems, quantum networks, those are being built today and we're seeing history uh, repeat itself. But as it repeats itself, we've seen this story before. So we don't need to necessarily do it sequentially. And so what we're seeing today is quantum computers are being built at the same time as the operating systems are being developed that will one day run on them, as are the quantum networks that will tie together all of these systems. So uh, they are more complicated, but we expect to see uh, pretty rapid development and integration of these parts. And right now there's a lot of companies that are vying to own these spaces um, and, and be the, the, the clear winner, like the IBMs, the Microsofts, and the Cisco's did. So it, it's history uh, repeating itself. Since we've seen this once before, we can, we can use that knowledge to, to accelerate uh, what we're doing today. Okay, so if, if we ask ourselves, you know, what does the quantum future look like? If, if AT&T was making its commercials today, uh, and they were putting out these commercials and never mentioning quantum, but showing all the benefits that could come from it, what would they be? This is my best guess based on uh, the work that we're seeing uh, in the industry, algorithms that are being developed to run on quantum computers, um, where the money from venture capitalists is going. Uh, that, that'll help sort of identify what applications are, are going to be percolating uh, out over the next 20 years. Most of the, a lot of them are related to artificial intelligence because we can train neural networks uh, in a much, much more complete and sophisticated way with quantum computers. So the idea of a universal translator from Star Wars, uh, or sorry, from Star Trek, uh, is uh, definitely one of those things that uh, we will likely see occurring over the next, probably the next 10 years, really. So that will remove barriers, language barriers between workers. Uh, and, and uh, relationships in and, and all different areas of life. Uh, cure for some cancers that's related to protein folding algorithms that are uh, looking at the dysfunction in protein folding that can run on quantum computers. Photorealistic virtual reality for work and education. We know the virtual world is coming. It's a little crude looking right now and to be able to place yourself in that environment requires a lot of complex ray tracing which uh, quantum computers they have algorithms uh, related to optimizing and speeding up those, those processes. Natural conversations and body language used to com communicate with AI-powered technology. If you have an Alexa, um, I mean, the way you will interface with that type of a product in the future, there's many like it, uh, will be completely different from today. Very conversational, uh, very you know expressive, where your, your body and your facial expression will be read by those uh, devices and they'll respond accordingly. Uh, that'll lead to better, better care for the disabled, the elderly, the, kick, the, the sick, even our pets. Uh, we'll see some improvements there. Based on quantum sensing, we know that uh, the, the sensitivity of uh, weather-based uh, solutions that can pre uh, predict tornadoes, uh, even detect uh, early warnings of, of earthquakes, those kinds of sensors uh, will come to the forefront. They'll be distributed across networks and have 
unique capabilities that we don't have today. Media customization with virtual actors and artists, uh, that's something that uh, also is being looked at in the quantum space, basically deep fakes that are, that are much, much better than what we have today. And then gravitational waves is something no one's really talking about, but once you have a distributed sensor network, you actually can sense gravitational waves coming from space that will allow us to probe the universe in different ways and hopefully understand gravity better. I don't know how we ever get to a flying car, but maybe that's a, a critical step uh, to getting there. A lot of this has already been kind of predicted and, and highlighted in different science fiction uh, uh, you know, movies, and so I've got a couple of those on the right. But that's kind of what those AT&T commercials would look like if we hosted them today. It would really be about highlighting these benefits. Nobody would be mentioning quantum, but quantum would be what underlies it all. So when it comes to quantum networks, what are these exactly? We already know classical networks are used for sharing bits between multiple nodes. Quantum networks are essentially the same, except they're sen sending quantum bits across the optical fibers, or they shorten that to say qubits. And uh, again, you could have a, a whole day just on what qubits are and how to build them, but for quantum networking perspectives, probably the easiest way to think of it is it, it's a, a single photon where you're controlling something like it's, it's polarization. And so you want to monitor the polarization or you want to uh, maintain the polarization of a photon as you send it from one node to the next. And you have to do it in, in a special way so that you're not uh, constraining it uh, too much. And in addition, all the other single photons that are being transmitted around the network, they have to be maintained and they have to be coherent uh, with each other. So there's a couple of buzzwords I dropped in there. At the end of the day, though, it's really just about sending light around the network. It's just very, very uh, tightly controlled and very dim light. It's basically a single photon, one of these particles that has these quantum uh, behaviors. But those qubits would be shared over a fiber optic network um, that was specifically built to, to maintain them. Today, there are multiple quantum networks that are being developed in the United States and across the world, for sure. Uh, those early networks are primarily isolated. They're not interconnected. They tend to be kind of islands where uh, the technology is brought together and uh, it's being used by sm smaller groups. So we have a lot of these isolated quantum networks popping up uh, and have been for the last few years. Uh, just this year, the first commercial quantum network where you can subscribe to it uh, was deployed in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I believe that's the only commercial quantum network in the United States. I'm not sure about worldwide, but it's meant to, to support industry and, and bring others in to develop their products and to um, uh, develop applications that they can test on this network or that they can deploy, not test, but deploy on the network. The core technologies inside of these are really not that much different from traditional classical networks. So we have sources that produce these single photons or entangled photons um, that are gonna be used and distributed across the network. We have detectors that can detect a single photon. So they're, they're still, you know, uh, they're highly, highly uh, uh, sensitive and, and high efficiency detectors that can detect with about 90% efficiency when a single photon arrives uh, at a user. Uh, we've got electronics and precision timing to coordinate all of these um, detectors and sources across the network. And there's this last component, which is called coherency control. Again, I mentioned you the polarization needs to be maintained across a fiber. Coherency is kind of related to that, and, and it ensures that everything, all the particles that are on the network, 
are coherent with each other, which means they can interfere uh, with each other. So there's a couple of new uh, ideas in here, this idea of single photon detection and sources that only produce single photons or, or two photons at a time that might be entangled. But still, it's, it's light going down an optical fiber, being detected, and then being correlated uh, across the network. So still very similar to, to classical networks. Uh, next slide, classical fiber optic networks. So if you want to see one of these systems, I mentioned EPB, which is a, uh, a, a internet service provider as well as a utility in Chattanooga, Tennessee. They actually have deployed one of these. They have a number of these uh, uh, nodes on the network that are connected through, I think, over 216 strands of optical fiber. So uh, it's just a metro-level quantum network, but it is something where it can support up to 10 to 15 users, and people can come and subscribe to the network and get access to a lot of the common tools that you need to do quantum work. So when we talk about quantum sources and detectors, those are actually uh, resources on this network that the users tap into and can utilize. The ultimate goal of those commercial quantum networks is to accelerate the development, the adoption, and the integration of quantum technologies, which will really start uh, next year when this commercial quantum network launches. And here's just a couple of quick pictures from this, this uh, quantum network at EPP. The one I like the most is up here in the upper left. You actually see some of this, these sources, these detectors, some of this quantum equipment where it lives. It lives in something we call equipment hubs. Those equipment hubs are distributed around uh, the city, and then user nodes that are attached to the network actually leverage those, uh, those components. So I know I'm running a little short on time, so I'll speed this up a little bit here. Uh, where are we in terms of the, the, the comparison between classical and quantum fiber optic networks? Where are we in maturity wise? Here's just a quick stack up showing kind of how the, the two compare. The, the biggest difference is the signal type. Instead of, instead of sending an optical pulse, a laser pulse, with billions and billions of photons down the fiber, you're sending just a single photon. And so the detection of that is gonna be quite a bit different and the preservation of that uh, information is quite a bit different. So if you look at detectors and, and transmitters and those, those transceivers, whereas we've got mature and compact SFP lasers today, it's still very early stage, kind of bulky equipment uh, with quantum. The good news is it's still the same uh, wavelength bands. Uh, there's efforts to build optical repeaters. They're not there yet, but we're, we're getting closer. And, uh, and just like uh, uh, we were with uh, you know, the early days of those 1993 commercials, although traditional classical networks that are at 100 gigabits per second, we're in the one to 10 kilobits per second right now with transmitting photons between nodes in a, in a quantum network. Uh, there's a lot of interesting, uh, more interesting stuff I'd love to go into here. It's not just about transmitting photons. We actually can teleport them, which allows you to reduce the loss across the network, but I don't think I'm gonna have a time to, to dive into that much, uh, much deeper than that. Okay, so last, last piece here. We really need your help. Right now, the uh, quantum technology is moving out of the laboratory and into the real world. And just like with the, the, the internet, there is some resistance to this because we don't have the, the broadband network providers necessarily involved and invested in a lot of these efforts. So you have a lot of um, national labs and universities that are trying to set up test beds, but we really need broadband network providers to be integrated in this process so we can roll out these quantum networks for commercial applications. If you're familiar with the history of the world, that was the world's first 
commercial internet service provider. They had the same kind of problem. In 1991, um, there was real resistance to them rolling out commercial kind of publicly accessible uh, internet. And uh, finally, they were granted permission and uh, by the National Science Foundation. And from there, the internet took off. That's where we're at today with quantum networks. We need to lay this infrastructure for quantum networks in order for all these applications to, to become possible. But in order to do that, we need broadband network providers support and involvement uh, in that. Uh, next slide, please. That really should bring us to the end of this presentation so we can open it up for, for questions. But again, those three questions that we, we asked, I hope we've answered them a little bit. We're only scratching the surface a little in this presentation, but hopefully it gives you a feel for what's coming, how it's different from the classical networks, and, and why it's critical that we get the support of the broadband network providers today. They, so I just only have really time for one question, and a lot of the questions coming in are similar in that, you know, if we look at our classical fiber network and um, how is the quantum network going to be um, replace the classical network or is it going to be um, synergistic or how does that, how do we think about how this is going to go forward? So, so right now it's really another layer on top of our uh, classical fiber optic networks and that's partly because the quantum technology is still really delicate and, and immature and so we need dedicated fibers just for the quantum network but over time we should see those two blend together and that that will of course allow us to much more quickly deploy uh, this technology today if you want to put a quantum network in the ground you should be prepared to put fiber in the ground and the other part of the question is that the quantum internet can only exist on fiber networks. It can't work on coax or anything else, right? That, that's correct. You actually have to physically send the these photons uh, down an optical fiber. You, the one exception is free space. There are some working on satellite-based systems where yeah. you can go further distances. But uh, yeah, you've got to deliver the photon over a so fiber. So in a vacuum can use free space optics. But. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're all good if you're in a vacuum. <laughs> yeah. So in essence, I mean, just the real quick takeaway is if your community doesn't have a fiber network, you'll be on the wrong side of the, the quantum internet. Yeah, your community will be unable to tap into all of these, you know, emerging applications. And, and quantum is coming. It's almost like this unstoppable force. You want to be ready for it. That infrastructure needs to be in place. Wow, this is just amazing. And um, I think we need to dedicate like a whole week to having a discussion with you on this. This is awesome. But um <laughs> uh, yeah, so unfortunately we're out of time, but Duncan, thank you so much. And we really appreciate all the work that you and your company are doing to really advance, you know, quantum networking. And I want to thank everybody for joining us today. And we're going to get back together next Wednesday. We're going to be talking about the results from our service provider survey showing how much fiber is actually being deployed and um, some other trends. So please join us with Mike Render next Wednesday. Um, with that, I hope everybody has a wonderful holiday and uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year.